Movies and Booze on Moncrief on News Talk. We are joined by Leslie Williams, Arlene Hunt, and Annette Freedom. Good afternoon to you all. Good afternoon. Hello, Sean. Yeah, are you well? Good. So, uh, is it Spain we're visiting? Spain. Yes. yes, northwestern Spain. Yeah, which I've been to before, but which we've, I've somewhat touched them before, but I've never brought these two wines before, and I don't think I've brought these two regions before. Right. And so. what's difference? The difference between northwestern Spain and like any other parts. So it's green really? and rainy and cold. Oh gosh. Yeah. No, right. it's hot in the summer. Really hot summers, but really cold nights. Uh, really cold winters. Uh, it's green Spain, and these th- these two wines are from eight hundred to a thousand meters above sea level, so they're like up a mountain, effectively. So, right. Uh, or mountain plain, you know. Yeah. And lo- that gives loads of intense flavors, and they're both really interesting and they're both um, well one of them this is the, by far the best selling Spain what wine in Spain but nowhere near it in Ireland for some reason um, okay that's interesting um, yeah it is know, interesting the way that yeah, uh, yeah, the, the Irish have their own kind of yeah, likes well, we, and dislikes we, we, we really. just love our Albarinos and we just haven't really explored the Verdejo uh, Rueda region as much and we should we should think about it yeah and I the think. two uh, the two movies today so, Arlene uh, you, you've chosen two movies with girls names yes uh, it was, is that, that's a deliberate thing you know, well, they couldn't be more different yeah. two movies, to be fair. So we'll go with that. Uh, so the first one is Matilda, the musical. Did you see the original? Or, or I don't know if it was with Danny DeVito. The Danny yeah, DeVito. Yeah. That was a great. It yeah. was. It was very sweet. That film. Yeah. I, I saw that years years now. It's a long time ago since I saw. It, but I, I think this is more based on the the the, the Broadway uh, show. Right. Okay. Um, singing. Yeah. There's a lot of singing in it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I. I I, like I said, I'm not generally a fan of um, musicals. You know, I I, I could I I enjoy it when it's in cartoon form. Like if it's The Lion King and they burst into song, I can sort of cope with it. But people singing their emotions, I I find a little on the odd it's side. It's hard to suspend the disbelief for that. Yeah, but some people love that. Stuff. Oh, they do. They do. Yeah. And well, obviously, uh, a lot of people like it. Yeah, I just. I, it's not always for uh, me. And, and the next uh, film is Emily. Yeah, which obviously is a musical. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the singing Brontes, uh, well known for their uh, musicality. Uh, and uh, uh, Nettie, how are you? I'm great, Sean. How are you? I'm sure I'm It's nice to be back. Ah, you, familiar. Know, you know, I'm moaning all the time. That's all I do. Uh, right, Magic Mike's... And, uh, no, they've, they've uh, released the trailer. This is the last of the Magic Mike thingies. We're yeah. told, we're, to, we're led to believe that is this the last Magic Mike and the trailer for this dropped during the week and I just thought there I actually didn't watch it because I was kind of worried that our tech team might come up and tap me on the shoulder and say pack your bags don't be watching this in-house um, Shannon Tatum was heading to London town for this third instalment and it's supposedly the last instalment Salma Hayek has been cast as his love interest uh, they meet in a cocktail bar in Miami and she convinces him to head towards London town um, it's seven years since the last Magic Mike XXL it's hard to believe isn't it Sean it is yeah. the time has rushed past <laughs> <laughs> it must be though I mean because it's seven years for Channing Tatum as well so you, you have to stay I assume you have to stay away from the pies for seven yeah, years that I, must be that must be tough but then I guess case. maybe when he's in you know he's he's doing all the dance acts with this and stuff he's going to shed any pounds that he gained over lockdown or maybe it's a lockdown magic mic and it's like some sort of horrible twist where he doesn't have a six pack anymore who knows I don't know. A, oh, right. So he's that, actually Poggy no, Mike. Well, I'm not saying no. that. That's just what I no, just No, but you know, like, for, um, <laughs> for actual, for, when they shoot these things and, and like, not he, just he that. He could be using a body double. When fellas do, like, they, like, they not only work out, but they don't drink water for 24 hours beforehand. They do, really? like, oh, all yeah, sorts of. down to yeah, nothing. appalling things to themselves. So their muscles. It's not like are, boxers before no, they're matches. Totally, and stuff. No, they're right. totally dehydrated so that you can see all the veins and the sinews oh, and wow. it's completely okay. dehydrated. 
Jeez, yeah. I didn't. Right, okay. So that's. I, I, it often surprises me that women be uh, looking at that, go, oh, God, I wouldn't mind a bit of that. But then actually, if the measurement in real life is, you know, probably as porky as the rest of us, you know. <laughs> I'm sure it causes bad If we didn't, well. we should try dehydrating ourselves for 24 hours, does it? <laughs> You're so, not see how that works, though. Right? So, yeah. just going on tea. Um, the movie's out on February the 10th, so that's just nicely in line with Valentine's Day. But it has been, obviously, a massive box office hit, uh, the two ah, previous... Yeah. Ma- yeah. yeah. Uh, and actually um, raked in $122 million, like in the box office in, in America. Um, so this will surely be the same you know, I yeah. would say. Now, of course, people will be listening and saying Hollywood hasn't had any original ideas. This is just another kind of, you know, sequel or remake. But, you know, that's all disproved by the Princess Diaries 3 <laughs> coming out. <laughs> yes, Princess Diaries 3 news um, came uh, into the fore this week as well. So Disney are in the early stages of development with the Princess Diaries 3. So, again, it's been a long wait for fans. It's 2004 since we last seen Maya played by Anne Hathaway on our screen. So 18 years ago, which is crazy. Crazy. Um, back in 2016, Gary Marshall, the director of the first film and its follow up for The Princess Diaries 2, was discussing a possible third film, but um, he actually passed away. So the idea was shelved, but talks have been resuming slowly over the last few years. So and obviously Hathaway has always been really vocal about wanting to play Maya again. She, has she? Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, I, so I wasn't aware. <laughs> but you know the way they like to say these things and like, oh no, I've always been saying it. I know there's no well, actual quote to me saying they don't it. Want but to cut, cut themselves out and making a rake of money on it. Like, it's, oh, again, no, it's a big no. franchise. They just like, don't, so, yeah. Um, like, again, up and. But if like, it's 18 years and she was a princess in the two uh, previous. <laughs> like, is Will she. Is she questioning this? Is it like. <laughs> is it more like the Queen Diaries at this point? That they're going, come on, get up and get a job. Is it, oh no, this is like Prince Charles being, you know, finally getting a job when he was 70 kind of thing. <laughs> no, I think she's just going to. She's probably aged really well. She's using. Oh lots no, of I'm nice sure she has. Yeah, she but just within She probably the... looks exactly like she did 18 years ago, in fairness. Ah, Her well, skin you know. is flawless. Is Julie um, Thing going to be in it? No, she is not. Julie Andrews won't be making a comeback in this, despite the fact that she's voiced Bridgerton as well in recent years. She actually hasn't been on screen since 2017. So, um, but that's all the information I have on it that fans will be keeping their fingers crossed for this one. Right, but okay. Julie when they Andrews say, yeah. will not be making an appearance. So, and But we don't even know when it's coming out. Early stages of development. Yes, we don't have a, a date. Could no. be another 18 years. And let's hope not. Okay, that will be, now if it is, that will be, <laughs> that will be a challenge for, for Anne Hathaway's surgeon, <laughs> yeah. I, I would imagine. Uh, so tell us about our first wine today. Okay, Leslie. so our first wine is uh, Protos Verdeco and it is uh, from Rueda. So Rueda is right up in the uh, northwestern corner of Spain. Um, there's a place called Segovia, some of you may have come across. It's got a 2,000-year-old aqueduct in it, or, uh, which is like really impressive. And Sounds like a place yeah, in no, the Princess Diaries, actually. Yeah, 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 no, it's Segovia! <laughs> the Spanish kings used to live there, basically, um, before it was um, before they moved to Madrid and so on, especially um, under the... Um, so Isabella lived there at one point, I think, or possibly actually, no, it's earlier than Isabella. But it's a really historic part of Spain. Um, by, by other um, or Valladolid as we'd say in English um, is the nearest town um, but you're sort of south of that so it's between Segovia and Valladolid uh, by Adelid. Um one of the reasons I'm doing it is they're doing a lot of promotions at the moment um, I'm doing a wine tasting in Latitude in Cork on the 29th of November for 40 euros food and drink uh, Tom uh, sorry John Wilson 
um, my counterpart in the Irish Times I think is doing one in, in the 12th in mid-December and there's one in Valpanera in Dublin as well in, in Black Rock so there's a few Rueda events so if you if you Google that you'll you'll find uh, links very to, gracious so of you to mention the competition I know, in that I know, blog exactly, yes. exactly. <laughs> the Irish Times owns the Irish Examiner <laughs> but anyway so um, but I really do like Rueda um, I visited there a couple of times um, what's interesting is the vines are really really old they're sandy soils alluvial sandy soils so some of the vines are 120 years old because, and they're pre-phylloxera. So phylloxera was a bug that came from America, like all good things. Um, and it basically eats the vine roots and wiped out every single vine in Europe, except those on sandy soils. And mm. so almost every vine in Europe is, is post that. How they fixed it was they um, grafted the vines onto rootstock from American vines, which were immune, basically. But, but ungrafted original vines exist in uh, in this small region uh, called Oueda. So you're high up in a mountain, um, you get sort of fragrance. Um, did you can get one side? There you go. There you go. Um, so Why did you think Arlene was glaring yeah, yeah. at you through all of that? <laughs> While you were plugging your career. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> 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 um, I, what I really like about it is, so it's Sauvignon Blanc esque but much more interesting there's better fragrance there's this herbal fennel uh, characters bay um, it's sort of floral but also quite sort of citrusy apple mm. and then there's a bit of weight and a bit of texture and a little bit of lemon kick on the finish and it just is a really good food wine and they age a little bit as well um, there are some oak age versions which are which age quite nicely and so on um, and it, it's just a really good food wine and this would be Spain's biggest selling white wine whereas in Ireland we drink Albarino almost exclusively from Spain I mean we drink we're the fourth largest drinker in the world yeah. Of Albrina. Oh, um, so, uh, like, literally by volume, not, not just by yes. population. So, but this is 13 euros and it's available in kind of all the independent shops and uh, you will find it in a couple of supermarkets as well. It's, it's, it's not hard to find. Um, yeah, and um, it's, how old is that so, then? Uh, so, this is 2021, so it's quite yeah. young, um, but you can, it can age for a little bit. This is actually from Roberto del Duero, producer, um, but that's the next village over mm. is Roberto del Duero, which is Spain's best red wine region. And that's it, again. 800 to 1,000 metres really high climb. There's a, I mean, a winemaker said to me we get nine months of winter and three months of hell. Um, <laughs> and it's pretty much the same in Toro. And, and I've been there in the, in, in, on daytime, I was there this summer and it was so hot. And Rueda's not dissimilar. It's, it's pretty much, it's just a little lower, you know, maybe 200 metres mm. less high. Um, but I was, and I was there too. It was just really, really hot. But once like the nighttime came, you know, you kind of needed a coat a little bit. Like, and this was in July, you know. I mean, it Gosh, was like, really? it, goes down, it goes down to seven, eight degrees, you know. Um, so you're going from 40 degrees, well, 36, 35 degrees down to 40 degrees, down to, sorry, to 4 degrees, 8 degrees, depending on the on the day. So the, that allows the vines to basically rich, get loads and loads of sugar, but then they can take a break in the evening and then the acidity can basically build up again. And so you get fragrance, fruit, and then acidity. And it's the same with the red and white wines. And so you'll get the same in Toro, which is the, the red one that yeah. I have, you know. So <laughs> the people that live there, but they're not just like moved to another part of Spain. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, it is one of the most depopulated parts. So Toro was one of the very first, um, Andrew Wade as well. There were some of the very early wines to be successful, but then they all, everyone just moved away and had to emigrate. But, but they've all been able to come back now. And there's now jobs for people in the area because the wines have, have come back. Um, um, so Rueda actually went through a really weird period where they were um, it's an unusual grape it oxidises really quickly you've got to pick it at night time um, and you've got to use mm. sulphur to keep it clean to keep it fresh because it was just oxidising so in the 50s they had this brilliant idea well our wine is oxidising and it's not very nice so why don't we just 
do that. And so they went down to Sherry, learned how, to, how the Sherry lads do it, and made basically Sherry-style wines. Um, and if you go there, you'll find all these little um, ja- ja- you know, jars, big glass jars where the wine is sitting and, you know, just going, ox- going off. But gently, in a slow way, in a controlled oxidation way. Um, and then in the 70s, Marcus de Riscal came to make Sauvignon Blanc. And then... Um, they thought that this is great, Sauvignon Blanc, and they said, "Wait, what's this other grape?" And we know how to make that. We can. So then they discovered Rueda was more interesting. Rueda's original grape was more interesting, and then that. So it's really since the seventies that it's become a thing. Um, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's a lovely it's nice wine. Yeah, yeah, it is very, a lovely wine. wine. I must and like say, a thirteen euros, and there's loads of them. Loads of them under fifteen. You don't have yeah. to spend loads of money on this. You can spend thirty, but you don't have to. You yeah, know? that's so. fantastic. Right. Good. Yeah. There, she necks it back. Uh, um, Arlene, uh, what movie would you like to do first? I think we should go with Matilda. Okay, let's talk about Matilda after this break. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Matilda Wormwood. Criminals like you need a real lesson. child is still alive right that's uh, Matilda uh, now it's uh, Matilda the musical of course it was did Tim mention right this Tim mentioned did yeah yes. he did the music to it yeah okay yeah. right so that's uh, that's a bit of uh, pedigree already yeah and uh, to be honest with you the songs are great in it the songs are great like especially the, the ensemble songs with all the kids all, all the pupils of the of the school Crunchem is the yeah. name of the school Crunchem yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all of the they do this amazing at the end of the film they do this amazing dance number and it's terrific like you, you almost can't stop yourself tapping along to it it's really really good and they're really good those children are amazing little actors and dancers it's great yeah. they're great fun now the story always struck me as interesting in that virtually all the adults apart from Miss Honey are yeah. kind of foul dreadful in it people. yeah dreadful yeah, people absolutely but dreadful it doesn't people. come across as quite a dark story particularly well, a bit dark, but you know, but like, but a child could still watch it and not, yeah, not be. Yeah, you know. they won't be. Fr- they, so they have that fine line between frightening the wits out of children and making it. It is quite dark because Matilda is a lonely child, uh, very book smart. Uh, she's very attached to um, uh, she's uh, to her library, and she that's where she reads all her books. Um, but she's never been to school. And her parents are the most dreadful people, Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood. They mm. are so <laughs> awful. Yes. They're so just everything about them. There's like they, all they're interested in is money and flashy clothes and loud cars and just they're just dreadful people. Um, they've no interest in Matilda whatsoever and they just find her to be uh, like a chore. Her dad calls her a boy all the time. Like, what does that boy want? Mm. And it, she constantly is going, <laughs> I'm a girl, I'm a girl all the way through it. So, so she's really a lonely little kid. So you kind of feel really sorry for her. And then she comes home from the library one day and discovers her parents are in a complete tizzy. And it's because the school are sending inspectors out to them because they wonder why this child has never been in school before. And so they, they're, they're talking about how they homeschool her. These two are, are complete dimwits. Yeah. And yeah. Matilda is not. Um, and then so they say, oh, well, we'll, we'll, you'll go to school. You'll go to Crunchum, <laughs> which is a great name for the school. Mm. And uh, so she meets Miss Honey and Miss Honey is lovely and very warm. But the school, the headmistress of um, Crunchum is a, a woman <laughs> called Mrs. Trunchbull. Yeah. And that's played with the most amazing glee by Emma Thompson. That's who you could hear in the clip. Ah, right. Yes, yes. She'd be, she'd be. No, it never made sense that, like, Miss Honey, why did, how did Miss Honey get a, a job in the school in the first place, given that everybody else in it was just so, uh, so horrible? There's a kind of a, there's a little backstory to Miss Honey that you'll kind of understand about how ah, she's right, connected okay. to Miss yeah. Trunch. Uh, Miss Trunchbull is a gold medalist uh, hammer thrower mm. <laughs> and 
to say that she despises children would be an understatement. Mm. She doesn't consider them human. They're like just wormy maggots to her and she dislikes them with every fibre of her being. So she's great. She's actually great fun and slightly yeah. terrifying. Yeah. And and then the story arc when, uh, uh, for, for Matilda within the school is to... Yeah, so Matilda, Matilda's really bright and she's really, really f- so far ahead of all her classmates. And so she's she's well read and she's... Uh, but her father, Mr. Wormwood, is so ob- ob- awful to her that he's contacted Miss Trunchbill and said, like, you know, that she's going into the school and keep an eye on her and that she's actually not a very nice person. And, you know, potentially evil. Yeah. <laughs> and Miss Tr- Miss Trunchbill obviously then focuses her attention on Matilda but she focuses her attention on anyone that she considers weak that she can bully she's a bully She's mm. ba- that's basically what she is she's a bully and um, so she she thwarts she tries to thwart Matilda at every step of the way and she uses everything to kind of bu- to, to try bully this child but in doing so she awakens something within Matilda that Matilda didn't realise she had so she has a power that she didn't realise she has mm. and so then it's the, the battle of the two uh, as they as they as they Duke it out. Yeah, and, and the, the the songs kind of are weaved in pretty well. You, you seem to enjoy them. Yeah, anyway, and I, I, got, I, I really, like, really mean it. I'm not much of a musical, per- a live musical person, and and I, I didn't find them at all, you know, jarring or intrusive. I, Tim Minchin's got a, a great ear for turns of phrase and things like that, and in the music, is, it it just works really well. His energy is really good. The children playing the characters in this film, even the secondary characters, are really good. They're, they're charming, they're funny, they're they're great dancers, they're, and it, there's a lot of joy in what they're doing, so it's really entertaining to watch. Yeah, compared it, comparing it though, because there will be people who will have seen the original oh, film, yeah, even yeah. relatively recently, so yeah. that, that comparison is bound to be made. Yeah, it's it's complicated because, you know, the the first film is very beloved by people. Like mm, they really yeah. connect to it. They connect to it in like quite a strong way. And this is a very different setup. It's a different setup. The 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 main uh, Matilda's the the actress who plays Matilda, Alicia Weir is incredible. She holds you and she's she's so for for someone so young, she's just so talented and she has this great presence about her. So you'll you'll just fall in love with it but, but for different reasons. It's not the mm. same as the other film. It's got a different energy to it from the original. But I I think people, and I particularly think kids will really enjoy it. Okay, that's uh, uh, that's good to hear. Uh, where did the wine guy uh, mention for the wine tasting in Dublin somewhere? Valpanero, right. Valpanero, which is um, midway between Black Rock and and Fox Rock, so hence Valpa, Fox. Nero Black so it's a great chef uh, ch- um, yeah. place or is it the name of a there's restaurant there's a place or? in South Dublin called no, 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 Valpa Nero no, 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 no. it's a restaurant oh right right okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry it's very funny in my little restaurant Valpa Nero <laughs> Dublin 18 so if you log on to Valpa Nero's website you will find details of how to book the thing the, right. the, the dinner and oh, he's a really, really talented chef he's actually of Chinese extraction so he mixes a little, the odd little Asian flavour in with his more classical training and it's a really really interesting place and yeah. um it's it's there. It's, I think it's Newtown Park Avenue, sort of around that area somewhere. Okay, um, all right. So. I suppose at this point, Leslie, I should um, mm. um, say sorry to you because uh, the listeners don't realise this, but you know, during that part, we needed more glasses. Somebody did walk in uh, with what seemed to be a champagne glass and two G and D glasses. <laughs> He's an intern. He didn't know what he was doing. Uh, so we, we'll have him whipped afterwards. But, uh, it's, uh, so good. It's, uh, it's okay. Uh, there's going to be a Will Smith movie. Yeah, there is. Every director ever will now try and say, "I want." 
want you to slap him in this scene, <laughs> won't they? Uh, well, maybe. Uh, yeah, Will Smith is going to be making a return to the big screen. It's going to be obviously his first project since that now infamous slapping scene at mm. the Oscars, which actually has him banned from all Academy events for the next 10 years. So if he does win uh, any Oscar or any, anything like that for uh, Emancipation... Chris Rock has could... to go and collect it on his behalf. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the movie's called Emancipation. Uh, Smith plays Peter, a man who escapes the shackles of slavery um, and goes through a treacherous swamp of Louisiana on a journey towards freedom and family. Um, it's inspired by a 19, or an 1863 photo of whipped Peter. It was taken during the Union Army medical examination and it was first appeared in Harper's Weekly. Um, and it's actually, I, I read just today that Will Smith went around on set like hugging and shaking hands to all of the extras on the movie and those who were like, you know, obviously there was loads of extras because it was army scenes. Yeah. So they're all like playing dead in like 100 degrees heat. And he went around like, you know, shaking hands with them and hugging them and lying down with them and also giving them money. Uh, extra giving them money, money. Extra money for playing in uh, like playing dead in that dead heat. Someone's um, trying to make yeah, up for something. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of guilt there. Yeah. Uh, so it's headed towards Apple TV globally on the 9th of December, but to cinemas on the 2nd of December. Emancipation, it, it sounds like a good story. Right, OK, so it will be that he will do that brief in, in a thing in a cinema. In cinemas for one week, Friday to Friday mm. or whatever, and then it's going to Apple TV. Why, does that make you think that it's not good? No, 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 it doesn't mean that, but they only do that if they think that my... They only put it into cinemas. All right. So it can be eligible for awards. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you know, and Will here, Smith and playing Will Smith live from his mansion. Yeah, and <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's yeah, exactly. It's it's Will Smith, you know, uh, escaping slavery. I dare you not to give it an Oscar. You know what I mean? That, yeah. That yeah. It, they feel so bad about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mm, so, right. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, also, Oscar winner Ellen Pompey <laughs> is definitely leaving Gary's Anatomy. She's definitely leaving. Yeah. T- yeah that's 19 been... seasons later. Yeah. What a run. Um, I didn't even know that uh, Grey's Anatomy was still on TV. Still going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I had no, no idea. It, it's on one of them. Uh, um, yeah. And, and it just seems to be the RT2 same thing. I think she yeah. was in a coma for one entire series. Just, was she? Yeah, just to get just a career break. Um, in recent years, obviously, she's played a smaller part in the show. And as you say, they're yeah. possibly in a coma for a year. But now it's decided that she is going to step back for good. It was uh, confirmed on the Grey's Anatomy uh, page during the week. Um, then there were rumours that Patrick Dempsey and herself were going to be reuniting for a brand new show he knocked that on the head as well during an interview so nobody wants back basically they're just like no we're done um, so her final appearance will be February uh, 2023 um, but for she's going to be focusing on a show on Hula that centres on a couple that adopt a young girl with the rare form of dwarfism so it's not the end of what we'll see alright so she'll yeah. be acting as somebody else but will yeah. they still have a Grey's Anatomy seeing that she's grey and, and therefore re- it renders the title of the show somewhat uh, pointless I, that's an extremely good question that I don't know the answer to sorry yeah <laughs> but maybe they don't know the answer maybe to that maybe they don't know the answer to that uh, yeah but, but I think they it would pe- have to stay like it's such a like 19 seasons of the Grey's Anatomy they're not going yeah but she was grey yeah, yeah that was the thing yeah um and she does the kind of uh, um, every show that I know she, way too she, much she, about Grey's she Anatomy. It, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she does. Yeah, a, she uh, she yeah. does this pompous voiceover yeah. about you know philosophizing about whatever the hell. Then they have several scenes of people operating on people while talking about their own feelings, which always scared the pants out of me. <laughs> like if someone's giving me like a hernia or something, look at my feckin' hernia. Don't be talking about how you're not getting on with your missus at home, kind of thing. That's, that's terrifying <laughs> stuff. <laughs> 
do know a lot about yeah, this. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. You were super The thing fun. is, though, the thing is if, you've, if you've watched like two episodes, you've watched the entire thing. Okay. There's, there's nothing different okay. really to any of them. I was only, more of an ER Only in like who's being caught shagging who in what kind of circumstances kind of thing. That's that's really all it is. Okay. Yeah. You've, you've summarised it I've ruined it now. now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ruined it now for everybody. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry about that. Movies and booze are Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, people say uh, Grey's Anatomy is a reference medical book from the 1850s. Uh, so that's possibly what it's referring to. You, you knew that, Nettie. Of course you did. Jay, you were nodding turns, vigorously there. As she yeah. turns to the Google yeah. machine. <laughs> uh, the, the hospital is called after the Grey family, so it could still be called Grey's Anatomy, as it will be set in Grey Memorial Hospital. That's true. Yeah. Uh, they could still do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but th- then it won't have a main character because isn't she the main character and they won't have someone doing the pompous voiceover or maybe they could get somebody else to do that Grey's Anatomy is a reference book of human anatomy written by Henry Grey illustrated by Henry Van Dyke Carter and first published in London in 1858 it's gone through multiple revised editions and the current edition the 42nd October 2020 remains a standard reference often considered the Doctor's Bible Apart from, of course, the actual Bible. Anyway, Leslie, what's our second uh, second one today? So our second one is from the town of Toro, or the region of Toro, which is about 60 kilometres from Portugal. It's so, so as I was saying, Bayadalid would be the biggest town. That would be northwest of Rueda, and this is northeast of Rueda. So, yeah, again, you're very over northwest um, Spain, um, in Castilla y Leon. So this one will be known to somebody. Um, Matsu um, is a Japanese word for patience or to wait. Um, this, as I was saying... About the region, there are some 150-year-old vines here, even older than I suggest, which is 120. Um, and a lot of the grape varieties and the clones from that, you know, from the 19th century have died out because the phylloxera have been replanting and changed. Mm. But this still exists because of the sandy soils where the little phylloxera bug can't live. Um, this will be known to anyone who's uh, seen it because it, it's a really cute idea. The, this is the, the reserver. So there's okay. a middle-aged man on who's, this. Yes, who was that man? So he's a bloke that they paid. All oh, right, OK. <laughs> but if I show you the three, you can see there's a young man... Okay, and that's the the Hoven, the young wine, and he's uh, he's like in his twenties or whatever. And that wine is from uh, younger vines, and it is, is considered a Hoven, which is, just means a young wine, and only gets there's no oak and two months and eight on on um, two months a few months barrel aging, sorry, a few months bottle aging before release. But that's it. Um, then there's the the old guy, and he's from the really old vines, and he spent right. sixteen uh, months in French new French oak barrels. And then there's the the middle guy, um, and he's this, oh right, uh, and we're drinking so, the middle and guy, you, the middle guy. Yeah, yeah, and judging from the hats, they're all members of the Peaky Blinders. Yes, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yes. Like Victor Meldrew. Oh, yes, so the, the, the El Picaro, which means the strength, because the strength of youth, and then El Reccio, which means um, the, uh, the, the, the the tough one, which is the because he's got the some experience. He does. Yeah, he's weathered looking that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the old one, El Viejo, um, yeah. uh, which is which is the old one. So it's just an easy way to t- traditionally in Spain, um, in Rioja and Roberto Duero and a few of these regions and Toro, they they would have uh, Hoven. And then Crianza, which means cradle, usually aged for a year in bottle and about a year in barrel. Um, uh, Reserva and Grand Reserva. So instead of that, they've created their own version of this, basically, which is because people want to get away from the old fashioned rules of of the DOs and so on. It's really rich. This is from 90 year old vines. um, So they're in it. Tinta de Toro is it's a variety of. It's genetically identical to Tempranillo, as you'd get in Rioja, um, but it is um, just a thicker-skinned grape, smaller bunches, and it just is, is different. It physically looks different, and just you just get more intense flavours and more black 
brambly fruits and so on. And you've got to be careful um, because if you just let it go, it'll get to 16, 17% and, and run mm. right. But if but these days they, they keep a, a, a hell of it. <laughs> Even at that, what, what is this now? Or what are they, what, what are they claiming it is? Uh, they're claiming this is uh, 14 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it is, yeah. There, yeah. And there's no, because you can't taste any alcohol in it yeah. at all. But, uh, but <laughs> it, it is really juicy. And it's yeah. just, it's such a distinctive label. And it's, it's the same owners as Lopa de Vega, which would be a well-known Rioja people might know. But the, but the guys went in and just found Rioja and found all these old single plots of vineyards, often family-owned in the back of the garden or whatever. And there'd be like, you know, three rows of vines from, you know, 150 years. And no one would ever sell their vines. So they just kind of rent the vines from them. And it's, it's, it is proper old-school winemaking. I mean, because mm. you've got to go around like 30, 40 sites to find the little... Okay. And, 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 and so the winemaker kind of buys grapes from yes, different he, people. Exactly. And there would be... And, they, and you don't do anything. They're dry farmed. They literally do not touch them. They do, do not um, um, irrigate them. They have been there for 100, 150, 90. Well, this is over 90, this one. So they, they, they've weathered anything they're going to be... That's be thrown at them at this point. So you just don't have to do anything. How, how old can they live? So the oldest vines in existence are... Anyone want to guess? in Australia uh, from the 1840s or huh. so um, and that's old Shiraz vines in parts of the Barossa planted by German immigrants that arrived there and then and hence actually there's lots of German influence in the Barossa um, so the oldest Shiraz and the oldest vines still in existence are probably those ones um, That's so interesting when yeah. did the phylloxera devastate so all these of, uh, from, well, So that it devastated Australia in the late 19th century so that was some idiot in, the, in, the, in France deciding to bring in crappy American vines which were nothing to do with European vines completely different species they, they taste kind of animalistic. Foxy is an expression. Mm. Uh, Clinton is one, if you've ever... Um, and you, you get them for grape juice sometimes in America. Um, and these, then there was hybrid versions and so on. But they, this is why uh, Thomas Jefferson's vines kept dying. He kept planting vines and they kept dying and no one knew why. And it was because the European rootstock was not able to live with the phylloxera bug. Because they basically live in harmony with American vines, but the roots, but they can't live, but they'll just eat the European ones. And this, th- there's still outbreaks of this. In California in the 80s, um, half of the vineyards were wiped out completely because huh. the university advised the wrong rootstock AXR1 I, I believe it or not I remember the name yeah. um, and uh, they advised this and all the Europeans and you mad that's not resistant enough to phylloxera I mean it's somewhat but not enough and sure enough um, like Mondavi and all the rest of them had to completely oh. revamp all the, re- replant all their vineyards and that was in the 1980s and 90s that was so yeah. anyway but, but yes yeah, so it pretty much wiped out everywhere I mean the only vineyards that I've come across that are, are pre-phylloxera is there's a couple of little patches in the Rhone there's a couple of pa- there's, at the back of the house that the Bollinger family used to live in they have a vineyard that is still pre-phylloxera and it, it's, that's how rare it is and, and as I say a few in, on sandy soil in Rueda a little bit in Barossa and a little bit in, in Toro. Um, the, uh, so. the, the middle-aged man there, uh, how old is that now? Uh, so this is now, actually, it's actually quite young, it's 2020, but they, okay. what, what they're make, when they say it's about the length of time it got in, bar- in barrel and bottle, mm. uh, basically, so they just age it a little bit longer than, than, you would, than you would traditionally would. It's second and third use barrels. Um, but yeah, there's a tradition where the Grand Reserve and the Reserve would often be 15 years old, and, mm. so, but that kind of dries out the fruit, so they've, they've tried yeah. to move away from that. So, um, like, so the, the, the movement in Spain these days especially in Rivera um, like the, um, there's a few different companies that are doing this they're, they're ditching Reserva Grand Reserva Crianza and just going for branded names which have a little bit more richness if they're older vines they can take a bit more oak and so on you know? yeah so. Yeah, indeed. But yeah, if you, you, do you like it? I, it's oh, really no, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm having flashbacks. We did, we did do an OB uh, some years <laughs> ago, right. kind of Tempranillo country kind oh, of right, thing. Right, right. And uh, there was a, I forget what the Spanish name of it was, but it was basically Rue the Ele- uh, Road of the Elephants. And okay. then you'd stop in every place and you'd have a, a glass of, uh, a glass of, 
red wine, usually Tempranillo of some sort, yeah. uh, with one tapas. That would be 150. Then you go next door to the next place. By the time you got to the end, <laughs> hence the elephants, uh, really. Yes. That was why it was called that. Uh, right, just to, to, to go ahead, uh, go against the, the, the trend, uh, Pixar Shock News are actually bringing out an actual original movie. Wow. Yes, it's, you know, obviously they had uh, Lightyear this year, um, which was a follow-up from uh, Toy Story. Um, but And it obviously didn't, I don't think, do that good. It was all right. It was yeah. all right, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's heading to original territory, with this Imagine a World of title with Elemental. Um, so it's from uh, Peter Son, who directed The Good Dinosaur, which is lovely. I love The Good Dinosaur. Mm. It's a great movie. Um, and he was inspired by his childhood in making this film. Um, it's about um, a city where fire, water, land and air all reside and live together. Uh, there's a release date of June 2023 and it's going to be Pixar's only planned release that we know of for 2023. They did have a big 2022. Gee. They had Lightyear and they had Turn in Red, which was yeah, oh, it was a great movie, a great yeah. movie, so good. Um, so yeah, they um they've had a very busy, busy 2022. So this is the only planned release. Wow. Okay. Right. We'll move on to our second uh, movie of the day. It is Emily. It was obviously it was released about a month ago, but it's now available to rent. So here's a clip. So I don't think we've been properly introduced, uh, Mr. William Wakeman. Do any of you actually speak English? <laughs> I do. I mean, this is Emily, Anne, and Charlotte. I'm Charlotte. God bless you all. Your sermon was very. Oh, uh, was it too much? I uh, <laughs> actually, oh, well, I thought halfway through of it, I planned to be a lot more eloquent, but um, when you get up there, it just gets. Nature is always an inspiration. Yes, nature was wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Though, Job is very dramatic. I nearly went for Job. The rain was a good choice. Thank you. I do wonder, though, how does God squeeze himself into all that rain? Wouldn't he get wet? There we go. Didn't really understand a word of that, but... Uh, um. Uh, so obviously it's about Emily Bronte. Yes. Yeah. She's the middle sister of Charlotte. There's Charlotte Bramwell. That's the the brother. And yeah. then Emily's the middle child. And then Anne is the younger, the younger mm-hmm. child, the younger sister. And in that scene, that's actually the, the new curator for the for the, the village. Um, uh, <laughs> William Waitman. He's a bit of a. Yeah, I, I get that. In a second. He's, a, he's, a bit, okay. he's a bit po-faced, right? Yes, I think that's the fairest description yeah. I can give of him. He's a bit po-faced. Yeah, like, you know, even the fact that you know Job is a bit dramatic. It's like really, mm. um, and so so this is before. So this is told. This film is, is is told in flashback. So we meet at the very start of this. We meet Emily Bronte as she's as she's dying. Emily Bronte died when she was thirty years of age, mm. um, and she died from tuberculosis, which was kind of really prominent at the time. It ran rampant through villages and towns, and her brother had died. Bramwell had died just a couple of months before she did, and. Uh, it was not long after she her first book was published and everyone knows her book was Wuthering Heights mm. which was huge and caused a huge sensation when it was released because it was slightly scandalous. Yeah. I think there was a man's name as originally. Yeah, it had, it, yeah. All the Brontes uh, wrote and they all had pseudonyms males yes. named yeah. pseudonyms because it would have been a, they come from a particularly religious family mm. uh, very sort of old school Protestant and you know, for the types of things that they're writing about, which is, you know, all very emotional and love and, and, and desire and, 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 you know, almost sort of the red hot fire passion. It would have been 
pretty shocking for yes. you know for people who would be clutching at their perils. Yeah, Dad this was, was Northern Ireland, wasn't he? So that's right, he was. Yeah. <laughs> now, and I mean, and maybe this is a kind of a lazy cliche, but there's often this that, that Wuthering Heights is full of unfulfilled sexual longing, yeah. uh, and therefore so was Emily. Well. Yes and no. She starts off. She starts off. She, they have a quite an abrasive start at the start. So she's she challenges him quite a lot. Mm. Obviously, he's a religious man, and you know she she asks demanding questions of his faith, and he doesn't know what to make of her. Really, initially, he doesn't know what to make of this girl because she's basically. I think I, I said it in my notes. She's percolating with emotion because she she lives in this sort of complicated pressure cooker of a family where they're all obviously extremely talented but they all have to live by these sort of the modes of the time and the, the morals of the time and it's very difficult for her because everyone considers her an oddball at the best time. She was amazingly timid. She was really, really shy, a shy individual. There's, there's loads of reports of her that if, if she was in the middle of a conversation with someone she'd turn her back on them <laughs> so that they couldn't make eye contact oh with God. her. So when she wrote, you know, so when she fell, when, she, when there's someone like that falls in love it's not that they're falling in love. It's like it's an all-encompassing yes. worldly experience. And she was very much in love with William. And then William, being a religious man of a religious fervour, felt that he was a mortal sin, what they were doing. And he he broke their relationship. He broke the relationship between them. And he devastated her when this happened. He absolutely destroyed her. Right. Okay. Fecker. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're too good for a memory. That's the thing, uh, right? As I said, we are going to give away uh, a prize for the best uh, uh, WhatsApp voice note that we received this week. This is the winner. Okay, Sean. So this is a begging voice note. My daughter is studying in Cork, and she's going to be in a show in February. And I was looking to book a night or two in Cork for the weekend that she's in it. So. We would really appreciate a weekend trip to Cork. Um, this, we've had a few health issues here recently um, and a few cancelled trips here and there. So um, if you could see your way to answer this begging email after what's been a pretty shite week, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks a million, Sean. Love the show. Um, I don't know what we're going to do when Twitter collapses and burns. I, I got paid today, so I might actually even buy it. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, uh, Su- Susan there in Kilkenny. So you are going down uh, to Cork, Susan. Just one thing next time you call us. Keep the phone a little bit further away uh, from your mouth. That would be a great help. Nettie, Leslie, Arlene, thank you all very much. <laughs> That's our lot. Movies and booze. I'm Moncrief. On News Talk.